we're back. Uh, welcome back to the Project Stanley podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Riccio. I am, uh, I'm the CEO and co-founder of the company. I'm here with uh, my co-founder, Nicholas Cote. Nick, what's going on, bud? Rick, how we doing, man? Uh, I've got uh, Tampa, Carolina on right now. Playoff time is the best as always. Um, yeah, but awesome conversation with Brett the other week. Uh, got a lot of cool insight from him. Learning about his background was super interesting. Yeah, no, it was awesome. Uh, ended up, you know, starting his playing days in, in college at Minnesota Duluth. Uh, finished up there and, and uh, was actually an assistant coach, um, you know, right after he finished playing. So I uh, got that pretty unique perspective. And then he talks about his time at St. Cloud State now, uh, where he recently made it to the NCAA championship against UMass. And, you know, it, it wasn't the game that they hoped for, but, uh, he talks about how they're strapping on the boots this offseason, getting ready to go uh, for rebound next. So um, really cool perspective. Yeah, and so another interesting part of the discussion was when Brett got into his playing days, his professional career, and during the course of his professional career, he spent a couple of years with the San Diego Goals, and two of those years he actually served as a, as a player coach. Um, so interesting to hear about how he got his start in coaching while he was still um, lacing up the, the skates for the goals. So pretty, pretty cool to hear about that as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was awesome. So let's just go ahead and let's just jump into it. Brett Larson, head coach of St. Cloud State. love to start off with just high level background would you mind kind of talking about how you uh you first got into the game yeah sure I mean I uh grew up in Duluth Minnesota hockey rink across the street from my house um it's all you knew you know you get dropped off there after school that's where you stayed and you know, once they shut the lights off then you put your skate guards on I remember as a little kid and then and then, then you'd walk home and uh uh, that was that's what we all did. That's what the kids in the neighborhood did. If we couldn't get to the rink, we were playing ball hockey in the alley, and you know, if the weather was too bad out, we were playing knee hockey in the house. So it was uh, that was kind of my life. I grew up with it, and, uh, and and just loved it since I was a little kid. No, that's awesome. I uh, I think I grew up playing mini hockey in my basement, and uh, we it used to get so heated down there that my parents had to put padding up against the walls because we put too many holes in the walls. I think I had my uh, my I'd behind back in the wall. Um, but would love to kind of, you know, talk a little bit about your playing career. So, you know, you actually played at Duluth. Would you mind kind of talking about yeah. that? Sure. Uh, like I said, grew up in Duluth, watched those guys play, watched uh, Brett Hull and Bill Watson and Norm McIver and a lot of guys like that that went on to great careers and uh, whether playing or in, in management or coaching now and um, watched some really fun teams. And all I wanted to do was be a college hockey player. That's, it's funny as a kid growing up back then, you, your dream was more right in front of you at the college game. And, and that's what you wanted to be. The NHL was just something down the road. You loved watching the North stars and stuff, but your main goal was to college hockey. So um, I was obviously really excited to get an opportunity to play in my hometown and uh, had a great experience and, and with a great group of guys and really enjoyed it. And, you know, from there, it's kind of funny because I, I thought, well, I, I knew I was, you know, I was drafted by Detroit, but really late. And, uh, they brought me out to Adirondack in the American League at the end of my season um, and my senior year. You know, I practiced with them. I was kind of the black aces, they call it. And, uh, uh, you know, heck, we were changing in the different locker room. There were like six of us that had 
you know, folding chairs set up and we'd get to practice, but I was a long way from getting in the lineup. And, but I did want to try and pursue pro hockey and, and had some great opportunities and, and ended up out in San Diego for four years playing for a guy named Steve Martinson, who, who played for the Canadians. And um, Marty uh, happened to be a St. Cloud State alum, which is pretty cool because he kind of got me uh, into coaching. And, and that's where I caught the coaching bug because after four years there, I had been going back up and down between there and, and, and Utah and the IHL, Las Vegas and the IHL, Long Beach and the IHL, get some games here and there. But at the end of the day, I knew I was never going to make the NHL. It was, you know, I was, I was a bubble guy at the, you know, back then the IHL was equivalent to the American league and it was a bubble guy in that level. So um, had a great experience in San Diego. After the first two years, uh, Marty gave me the title player assistant coach. Everybody had one in that league at the time. You didn't do any coaching during the games, but you helped in recruiting. Uh, you helped in the offseason type stuff. You helped plan practice, lineup decisions, things like that. Obviously, once the game started, I was just a player, but um, I really enjoyed it. And, and I knew that I wanted to get into coaching someday. Um, as my career was wrapping up there, though, I, I got an opportunity to go to Germany. An agent reached out and said, hey, bunch, you know, we got a contract for you in Germany if you'd like to play in the second league there. And, and uh, my wife and I thought, hey, what a, what a great one-year experience. Let's go do it and come back and, and figure out where life's going to take us. Well, um, funnily enough, one year turned into six, and, and, and we played in Germany, Denmark, uh, Slovenia, uh, England, and just loved our experience playing over there. And I uh, stretched it out for as long as I could. Uh, so got, got really lucky. Uh, life experiences of living in Europe, playing in different countries, meeting guys from all over the place, and coaches that played, you know, coached in – uh, different countries and it was a great experience I loved it and uh, came home and uh, got into coaching shortly thereafter yeah and so your your coaching career actually got started at Duluth as well um, so did that transition uh, back to a program where you where you played as well was that did that make it any easier for you well I got very lucky and, and sometimes I felt almost I don't know what the word is but uh, you know, almost unworthy for that job because it was such a jump. Like so many guys have been working so hard to coach high school and midget and junior and uh, all these rungs of the coaching ladder to get up. And I just got done playing. I actually took a sales job for a year, not not quite a year. And uh, but I always used to go back and coach the hockey school at UMD um, when I was still playing and, and and built a good relationship with Scott Sandel and the head coach there uh, in those summers. And I'll never forget the call. You know, he'd been there for a few years and he goes, hey, I'm kind of I'm looking for a guy that's an alum. I'd like to have a bulldog and, and uh, uh, I like the guy to work with the D and you're the only guy that know that I know that fits both, you know? So I, I kind of right spot, right time. Um, good thing. We had a good relationship. And for me, it was a, uh, a unbelievable way to get into coaching. Yeah. And you, you guys got some success fairly early in, in 2011, won the national championship. What, what was that run like? That must've been incredible. Yeah, it was unreal, and especially to be able to do it in your home state. You know, um, yeah, just to, to beat a team like Michigan, who would have been their 10th, and beat them in overtime, and all the NHL guys, you look back, that you know, so many of those guys in that game are in the NHL now, and and um, it, it was pretty special to do it, especially at home. And you know what? Um, I remember walking out for the overtime thinking, man, we better get this done. You just never know if you're going to be back. You know, it had been 50 years of the program. We had never been there before. Uh, or never won it before. So um, those opportunities are hard to come by, and and uh, and it was certainly special to get it done in our home state. So that first off, that that was awesome that it was the first in, in program history. I mean, I was watching the highlights just before this, just to kind of get get the uh, get the juice going, and, and what a game! Um, but one of the things that I actually wanted to point out. So my 
my cousin was actually on Michigan that year. Oh, really? Yeah, I think he was either his freshman or sophomore year. Okay. So I'm, I'm sure he wasn't as happy with you as uh, as, as we are, but um, that's awesome. Uh, I'd love to talk about the Palin brothers yep. transitioning into your, you know, your time now. So uh, you had the opportunity to coach all three brothers. Uh, what was that like? And, uh, you know, also how did you go and, and recruit all three of them? Well, number one, it was awesome. And, and I got to admit, I didn't recruit them. You know, I stepped in here to St. Cloud and the previous staff had done a great job. And, you know, my first year at St. Cloud, uh, you know, we lost first round in the NCAA, but I'm convinced I, I inherited the best team in college hockey, not only player-wise, but character-wise, what type of people they were. Um, man, did I step into something special. And my main job, I, I told people privately, was just not to screw this thing up. Um, uh, it, was, it was a really good group. Unfortunately, we didn't get to where we wanted to go, but we had one heck of a season. And uh, you know what? The Paling brothers were a big part of that. Ryan, obviously a first round pick and, um, and played a skilled game and, and was a big, big player for us offensively. Nick and Jack were just junkyard dogs. I mean, you could put them on any line. God, people hated playing against them. They had skill as well, so they could still make plays and, and contribute offensively. But uh, they, they all kind of complemented each other well that way. And towards the end of the year, we had them on one line and, and they were big for us. So uh, they were I was really fortunate to coach those guys. Uh, just great people. They're still in touch. Um, and they really left, a, uh, in a, they, they really left, I think, their mark on this program. Um, we've got a great room with really good character people, and the culture, culture matters a lot. And those guys really help build this culture here. Yeah, and I imagine when you have, when you have three, of them like, three of them like that, it's so rare. It, it must leave a mark in the locker room. Where you know now you're starting to really have a re- like a strong family environment and not just you know teammates. Yeah, I, I thought that the so Ryan had signed and he was gone after that year. The next year was was in a lot of ways a really difficult year. We lost 16 guys, uh, whether it was the large senior group or whether it was a lot of Blake Lazats, Ryan Palings uh, signing and leaving early. Um, we lost the core of a team that had been here and been a, a championship team for three years. They had won the league. Uh, they were constantly number one in the country. Um, well, when you lose 16 guys off that team, it's not easy, especially for two guys like Nick and Jack Paling, who with along with Jack Ashan, who played some games for the Bruins this year and, and Clark Custer were our captains. And I really thought that, you know, we started that year, we won two of our first 12. We were two, six and four at one point. Uh, we got a back to above 500 at one point, had a great stretch where, you know, beat North Dakota twice in our rink, uh, beat Denver, beat Duluth had some great wins in the second half of the year. And that year I think was the kind of the building blocks for the year we just had getting in the national championship game. I think without them and the way they led uh, and the way they held things together through some tough times and who they are as people, uh, I think if we didn't have them as captains, uh, we, even though it was the year before, I don't think this year we do what we do. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the type of group that, you know, um, you know, leaves, like a, a really strong presence amongst the younger guys. And, and now, you know, as you grow throughout the program, now those younger guys start to take on the same habits and they start to develop, um, you know, their skill sets to, you know, match the level of, of those players. I mean, what about, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I wanted to point out uh, was Ryan Palin, when he stepped into NHL, he made quite the presence. I mean, getting a hat trick in the first game, natural hat trick too. I mean, and you must have been proud about that. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, and the shootout winner. Yeah, yeah. 
You know what? We all kind of our stat. It was such a hard blow losing that game in the first round of the NCAA's, especially with that team we had. First time I smiled, I think, was that night when Ryan did that. You know, and uh, it's kind of funny. His dad shot me a text. He goes, "God, I wish he would have saved one of those goals for AIC the week before." You know, um, just lit up the lit up the Maple Leafs. But uh, you know, so it it was awesome. I mean, I, we were so happy for him, and it did. You know, it was kind of one of the things that started getting us back to the big picture of. How how great a group we had and and what we had done as a group and how excited we were for those guys to move forward. And before you, you had spoken about um, during those big transition years where a lot of guys leave for whatever reasons, whether it's seniors graduating or guys taking the next step to the NHL, how difficult is it to follow up a season like that where you do lose so many guys and plugging those holes in the roster and uh, building up that team camaraderie and it was difficult, especially in this league. You know, you're, you're playing, you're playing the best teams in the country every night, no matter who you play. So there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of easy nights where you can count on some wins. Um, so you have to grind through that as a, as a young, uh, uh, as a young group. And uh, that's, again, going back to that, I thought that our captains that year did one of the best jobs in, in recent history here at the program, because that thing could have gone negative. It could have gone downhill. Uh, but they just wouldn't let it. They were too proud of this program, and uh, they really willed our team to keep getting better that year and, and leave a really strong mark on this program, saying, hey, we're not letting this thing go downhill. This program is going to get back to where it deserves to be. And I would like to see what they could have done in playoffs that year, to be honest. Um, uh, but unfortunately, we didn't get that chance. And, and with this year, you know, now that you know, a couple of weeks have passed, I mean, do you look back at this year and say, you know, holy, holy smokes, that was just an incredible run and, you know, can't believe, you know, we, we made it this far and now it kind of just drives you to once again, Hey, you know, strap the boots on for next year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and uh, the guys will be coming in for some workouts here early June and and we're going to, the biggest thing for us is to hit the reset button, Uh, be proud of what we did last year, but at the end of the day, we didn't accomplish our goal. Uh, We've got pretty much the whole team back. Um, our, you know, our goal is to use that as fuel to keep getting better. And uh, as good as the year was, we still felt that feeling of failure at the end of the year. And, you know, obviously, as a coach, you're always looking for different ways to motivate. And I don't know if you saw two weeks ago, um, Phil Mickelson put out a tweet talking about his failures and how he was using those failures to motiv- motivate himself to work harder than ever. And at the end, he said, let's let's celebrate our failures and, and use, it, use them to get better. And how ironic, two weeks later, he, he, you know, he wins major at 50 years old, the, the oldest player to ever do it. And in his interview after they asked him, you know, well, what'd you do? What'd you change? How, you know, how'd you get better? And he said, in all honesty, I just worked harder. I worked harder than I ever thought I could work. And that's going to be the motto for our team this year, I think is, you know what, let's use our failure um, to motivate us and push us to get even better and have a chance at it next year. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I, I don't want to say the same path, but you know, a similar, you know, last couple of years with UMass, right. Yep. You know, same thing. I stepped in and, and Duluth, Duluth, you know, put up somewhat of a similar game. And so, you know, and then they come back, they, they use their motivation, they kids get older. Um, and then you end up, uh, you end up accomplishing that goal. So that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd love to hear about uh, USA hockey, your involvement, right. With, uh, with the 2019 world junior championship. So what was, uh, what was that season like? That was amazing. That was an amazing experience. Obviously, for us, it didn't end well. We were, were extremely disappointed. We had had a really good tournament up until you you run into Finland and uh, you lose one nothing. One of those games where 
Uh, we just couldn't get the puck in the net um, and it ends so quickly. But uh, there is a sense of pride, I think, from the fact that we knew we were really young that year. Usually you win that tournament with older guys. You know, if you look at that year with, with Caulfield and Turcotte and Zegris and uh, you know, all a lot of high-end skill that we had up front, just to name a few, uh, they were all really young guys. It was their first year in the tournament, and uh, it was really fun to see them the next year, I think. Obviously, Nate and his staff did a phenomenal job. Uh, but I think some of the lessons they probably learned and the, you know, the growth going through the year before really helped them. And it was really fun to see them finish it off. And so being around like a group like that and being a part of USA hockey, does that also help your recruitment process for St. Cloud? Oh, I think so. I, I, I do. I know uh, we were recruiting uh, VD Mietnan at the time who t- turned out to be our freshman of the year and, and had a great year. And, and uh, you know, I think, him knowing that I was on the world junior staff, us talking about it, the Europeans, especially being really ingrained in that tournament. Um, I, I, I do believe that that maybe helped us a little bit in that area. And I think anytime you're, you're on a staff like that uh, with those type of people and in that position, it can only help. So, and, and to be honest, I learned a ton. So I think it helped me grow as a coach. Um, I learned from some really good people there and uh, uh, it was a great experience. Um, and, and I know from my growth and development, it, it was, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, no, I'm sure like coming, not, not just, you know, on the recruiting side, but also in terms of like day-to-day coaching, I'm sure being around, uh, you know, the staff that's compiled of the best, you know, junior coaches and, and, you know, even NHL coaches in the world, like, you know, you can take a lot of those lessons and, and trans and, and translate into uh, the way that you coach your team. Well, I think that's what we all do in a way, you know, we all have the experiences of coaches that we either played for or coached with. Uh, you take things that you like, you take things that fit your personality, you see some things that maybe you think wouldn't work for you. And, and that's all part of you developing as a coach and you're constantly learning from the people that you're around. Yeah, no, I mean, like anything else in life, right? Like every single conversation you have, you know, whether it's big or small, you take bits and pieces and kind of use that and, and shape your own style. Um, so that roster that like you mentioned a, a couple names before, but I mean, just to you, you like you probably left at least six different. Oh, first round picks. I left a like, ton I mean, of guys. Not to mention first overall pick Jack Hughes. So um, that that comeback though was pretty incredible in that third period, down two zero going into the third. I think it was like three minutes in between that uh, you tying it up, and unfortunately. You know, they, they finish it off at the end. But, I mean, that comeback was pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, that's momentum, right? How do you figure it out with the mental part of the game and, and getting over that hump where all of a sudden it's turned in your favor? Uh, is It's hard to bottle up. And, you know, you wish you knew the secret to it. But being a part of it and feeling it on the bench is certainly a fun feeling. Do, do you like being in the trenches like that? I do. I think for uh, for us coaches, a lot of us, we really miss playing. You know, all of us would, <laughs> would tell you that. And that's as close as you can get without actually being out there. And you certainly, I know at least for me, my heart's pounding, my adrenaline's up. Uh, um, it, I, I, I do. You know, the one thing I find is funny as a player, though, you jump into the game and usually you learn, lose that anxious, nervous feeling, you know, as you get out there. As a coach, you kind of have it the whole time, which is a little tougher sometimes, I think. But uh, yeah, I miss playing, and and I and you certainly get those competitive juices going when you're on the bench. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. Uh, I'd be curious though. So you mentioned, uh, you know, obviously you've you've had a tremendous career in coaching. 
um, you did spend some time in in uh, Sioux City as a as a general manager, and so you know, first, just how that opportunity come about, um, and second, you know, do you feel like having the resources to you know uh, a dedicated scouting group and having the resources towards you know making trades and things of that nature? Do you think those different you know, you picked up skill sets from from doing you know that, those types of uh, task and activity. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I thought it was invaluable for me. I, um, uh, well, I know how it happened. Timing is everything in life. And we just won the national championship in 2011 and that job opened up. And I think that put me in a pretty good position to, to go after it. Um, was able to, to get the job and, and to be honest with you, had no idea what I was doing. None. I, I, I played late. I was only into college coaching for three years. It was a huge learning curve for me made a lot of mistakes. I can tell you that I made a ton of them. And, uh, but I, I do think having to go through some hard times, learn from your mistakes, it does help you. It helps develop different skill sets. Uh, I think it made me a better assistant coach when I went back to college to be an assistant, because I understood what it was like to sit in that chair and feel the pressure of not just giving your opinion, but making the decision and knowing that it's on you and, and knowing there's no one else to blame if it doesn't go the right way. And, and uh, I think going through all that really helped me. Um, I wouldn't trade it for the world. There were some tough times there, but there were also some really good times there and good people. And uh, I, I really think that those two years uh, really helped me develop a lot as a coach. Do you think that you had to almost, because you were head coach and GM those, yep. those couple of years. So did you have to almost separate yourself when you're doing both those two different roles? Because I, like, I can imagine as a manager, you're, sometimes you're thinking in terms of, you know, asset value and then you're yep. also thinking in terms of the person, but when you're in combined roles, you know, it's hard to separate those two. It was really hard to separate those two because, you know, you had to have, well, the good thing is I had, you know, having some, some support from your, from your ownership. And as that went along there, that got better and better. And, um, uh, I really felt that from a guy named Lloyd Nay there. And, and, uh, as it went, um, I thought that they allowed me to make decisions that were good long-term for the club. I never, you know, especially after I got through my first year, there were some, certainly some hiccups that first year, but as we got through that, I never felt the pressure to do it right now. Uh, I felt like I had the green light to make the right decisions for the, 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 the future of that club for long-term success. And uh, some guys don't get that, unfortunately. And, and, and I was fortunate to have that support. Yeah, I mean, that must be tough trying to like internally and like you know, think about like moral compass. Like, how are you making some decisions where maybe they may, you know, cost a job down the road and or maybe, you know, you're making a decision that will benefit the next manager five yes. years down the road? Yep. And it's not going to benefit you. And so you have to kind of weigh that, you know, in your morals. I mean, did you find that difficult? Um, you know, I, I, it's funny because I guess I, I, I do understand the question, but I'm putting myself back in the, the heels. To be honest, I assumed I was going to be there a long time until the next opportunity came up. So I was, even though I was building for the future, I felt like I was going to be a part of that future. Um, uh, you know, I didn't really have any plans to leave. It was a really good job. And, and, you know, obviously in the coaching world, if something else comes up that, you know, you, you really think is good, you're going to take it, but uh, had a good, good, good opportunity there. And I felt like I was part of the future. So I never really felt like 
I was doing this for any, anybody other than our current staff and, and the organization. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Uh, you know, no, yeah. no, that, no, I, I hear you there. Okay. I, especially once you're kind of putting yourself back there. Well, yeah. Because if you look at it, okay, I was there two years, but I didn't know I was only going to be there two years. I actually right. had a three-year contract. I was hoping to extend that, you know, and, and right. whatnot. Okay. And so I was trying to do a good job, not just for me at the moment, but for continued success there, because that's what I wanted to build. Yes. For me. And also for the, the organization as well. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, this is, this has been great. Uh, Brett, really do appreciate the time. Um, you know, enjoyed uh, enjoyed meeting you here and, and and learning about you know yourself and and kind of where you kind of got to be where you are now. So, um, wish you nothing but the best with uh, with next season. Um, you know, I, I know you guys are going to uh, rebound from this year and just absolutely crush it next year. So, I uh, really do appreciate it. Thanks, guys. I appreciate having me on too and supporting college hockey. It means a lot to us and. Obviously, we're all very proud of our sport and, and where college hockey's headed. So thanks for having me on and, and giving us a voice.